0: The Application Security Podcast. Here we go. Hello again. We're back with another episode of the Application Security Podcast. On this episode... We speak with Mike Goodwin, the founder of the OWASP Threat Dragon. We dive into what the Threat Dragon is and how it can work for you. Enjoy. Hey, folks, welcome to this episode of the Application Security Podcast, where today Robert and I are joined by Mike Goodwin. And Mike is the project lead for the OWASP Threat Dragon project. And this is a project that I've been uh, following closely for the last number of months, and uh, I'm, I'm very interested in, so I'm very excited for Mike to be able to share his vision with you here. Um, Mike, welcome to the show, and let us know your security origin story. How did you get into security?
1: Okay, well, I um, hi guys, by the way. So I, I used to be a full-time developer and technical architect for um for a company that does mainly or did mainly on premise software. Um, and I got involved in a project to, to migrate one of our quite large products um to the Azure Cloud in the very early days of Azure actually. As we got into that we were basically a bunch of desktop software developers doing our first um kind of exploration of online software and we realized quite quickly that we had to significantly raise the game security wise the threat surface was you know, obviously much, much bigger for online than it was for, for on-premise. So I, I started an initiative within that project as a, a sub-project to form a virtual team, um, upscale the development team, and, and really push forward on security. And that's kind of how I got interested in it. And I got um, so interested that I became more or less obsessed for quite, <laughs> quite a long <laughs> time, <laughs> particularly around uh Around threat modelling and um and the design side of things. And uh when the project finished I was kind of looking around for for what to do next. And within the same company, an opportunity came up to move into a full time security role, building the um the security capability generally within the, the company. So I just uh had a chat with a guy who was recruiting that, liked the sound of it, and obviously he liked me a bit, so uh I just stepped into that, not looked back since.
0: Okay. So your history is more on the development side then as far as before you got to security.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay. Cool. Well, tell us a little bit about this OWASP threat dragon. I guess we could start by if you could just describe what it is and kind of give us a definition. And then I'd love to hear kind of, kind of where the idea came from. But let's start by just bringing the audience up to speed. What is OWASP threat dragon?
1: Okay, well, first of all, it's um, it's open source, as all the worst projects are, um, and it's cr- it's a cross-platform threat modeling tool. So it's designed to um, to work on any any platform, um, be completely free. Um, the emphasis of it is around um, making it enjoyable to use and, and simple to use, um, and also to, to interact well with the the SDLC generally. I mean, I mean during my time. Kind of learning threat modeling I, and, and also uh, working with other teams developing it. So I've seen a lot of models which have sort of fallen by the wayside, become sort of dusty documents sat on the shelf and never used. So one of the key uh, aims that I have is to, uh, to make it a living thing. So to make the models closer to, to, to the developers, um, you know, continue up to date and relevant to what they're doing. But it's, uh, it's, it's basically a simple enough diagramming tool. Um, it's going to have a powerful, intelligent threat generation component to that, uh, and it's going to have a number of features which uh, which help with that uh, integration into the development lifecycle.
0: Okay, cool. So I got a couple of questions on that, but I'm going to hold them for a second because I want to I want to first understand why did you wh- why did you even start this project? What got you into wanting to solve this problem?
1: Okay, well the I mean the, the the comedy answer is: I, I used to hate JavaScript, and I, I wanted a project to, to make me love it. So I, I <laughs> selected, selected <Do> Node.
0: <laughs> do you love it now, though? Is the question. I do. I do love it. It's my, it's my language
1: of choice now, so it's, it's been completely successful from that point of view.
0: How I learned but, uh, but, uh, to love JavaScript <laughs> by Mike Goodwin. I
1: so. <laughs> but the, I mean, the, the real serious answer is: um, I mean, I, I had a lot of experience using the, the Microsoft um, threat modeling tool. Particularly the very early versions of it that, that were based um, on Visio, and you know I'm I'm very grateful for the guys at Microsoft. I mean their tool essentially got me into threat modeling in the first place, and, and uh, so I've got a lot uh, a lot to uh, to thank them for. But um, I did find particularly those early versions of the tools uh, not particularly great from a user experience point of view. Um, also, in mean, my company we work sometimes in Windows, but and in, in other platforms as well. So the obviously the Microsoft tools runs only on Windows and is kind of oriented really towards uh, Windows applications. So we found it quite limiting organizationally from that point of view. Um, so that was the aim really is to, to try and um, bring that as a tool that we could use across um, across our organization. But but really, I, mean, I, I was guessing that, that there's plenty of other people must be finding the same kind of limitations that, that we did. So it was just to try and, um, you know, put forward a tool that, that, Anyone can use, them, no matter what platform they're on.
0: Yeah, and so Robert, is your experience the same from the Microsoft Threat Modeling Tool, where it's you, it's kind of more of a Windows centric type of tool? What's uh, what's been your experience from that perspective?
2: Uh, yes, uh, you know, definitely it's a Windows centric tool. I've had experiences where I've worked with a client where they wanted some threat modeling. We talked about tools. And they told me, we don't have a single Windows machine in our shop. What can you do for us? <laughs> yeah. And so at that point, I can't offer uh, the Microsoft Threat Modeling tool. It's not available. I can certainly suggest, I guess, they run a VEM and, and run it in there. But, um, you know, there's a limitation there. So I, I found the same thing, that uh, it's a great tool. I, I've enjoyed using it myself for a number of years, uh, including the, the most recent version, 2016, with templates and so forth, uh, being able to customize those, but it's limitation. It's not cross-platform.
0: Yeah, that's that's been my experience as well. Is it's it certainly has laid a solid foundation for threat modeling across the industry, but it doesn't do enough stuff for what what we actually need it to do. So, um, so yeah, Mike, when you were putting this together, then. You, what, what were some of the, so you, you talked about some of the design considerations to say you were going to, um, you wanted to learn JavaScript, you wanted to keep it simple. Yeah. How does, well, why don't you walk us through uh, the user flow here? If I'm, if I'm somebody, a new user and maybe I know a little bit about threat modeling, what does the user flow look like for me in the OWASP threat dragon tool?
1: So. I, mean, if I it's easiest if I compare it to the the Microsoft tool. So the, the templates the, the, and the stencils that you have in the diagramming part of the Microsoft tool um, are quite comprehensive. There's a lot of different elements you can put on the diagrams. It's a, it's a, it's a regular data flow diagram, but kind of in, enriched um, with different styles of of um, data store and different styles of external actor and things like that. And I just find that that's quite overwhelming, spe- especially for, for somebody quite new to Threatmalo or new to the tool. So the the um, the threat dragon approach is really to, to to boil that down to the um you know to the fundamentals. So you have just the straightforward um, types of elements, not really um, enriched in any any particular way. So it's simple to get you um, you know drawing your diagrams out, understanding the data flows quickly without having to try and figure out well okay well what what type of a of a process is this out of the you know the several that might be on offer from the um, from the Microsoft tool. Um, the kind of next step, next step after that. And again, I, I should say that, I mean, the, the project, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's still, a um, an incubator project in OWASP terms, which means it's quite early stage. Uh, but the, the next stage after the diagramming will, will be, um, to have the tools suggest some threats to you. Um, now again, the Microsoft tool and other tools, they, they do a, a quite comprehensive job about, of that. But, but to me, it's a, it, they try actually to relate. Really a little bit too much so the, one of the visions i guess i would have for the threat dragon is that it, it emphasizes having the developers and having the threat modelers um thinking about the solution and doesn't attempt to give a you know a very comprehensive um set of automated threats that are generated and then they just have to kind of say okay well now i have to okay i have to implement mitigations for these 17 threats that are generated in a kind of mechanistic way i really want want it to suggest more some are more high level threats and then have the people, the teams, the threat modeling teams discuss them kind of critically evaluate them and figure out for themselves what, uh, you know, what exactly is the the threat? Is it real? Um, how do we mitigate it without trying to do too much for them? And obviously that's a, that's a quite delicate balance to strike because you, you, you run the risk of making it so high level actually that it's, uh, that it's worthless in terms of, of, of helping people. But at the same time, I think, you know, I see it as a, as much as anything, is an educational tool to get people thinking critically about what threats their applications are facing.
0: Yeah, and that's that's the same way I think of this. Um, uh, In previous conversations, I told you about how I've built a threat modeling tool inside a large enterprise, and one of the goals that we had for that tool was we wanted the tool to be obsolete in five years. And what we meant by that is we wanted the human brains that were using the tool to be able to ingest the idea or the concept of threat modeling so that they would begin to threat model as they were writing design specs or as they were drawing on a whiteboard and, and scoping out, drawing a new feature. Uh, they would begin to do that threat modeling without having to go through a separate step. And so that's one of the things I saw about Threat Dragon that I thought was going in that same vein where it was going to be more simple which is good from my perspective. I think there's a lot of, a lot of different tools on the market that are too complex or too specific to a given in- industry. Threat Dragon's giving you this very, gen- not very, gen- it's giving you a generic approach so that you can model almost anything within the constraints.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly it. That's the idea. It, it, I think um, more is less. Uh, once you achieve a certain level of sophistication, more or less, when it comes to a tool like a uh, you know a threat modeling tool or anything similar, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, we definitely want to get the human brains in this process working on th- the threats, versus this just being a tool that dumps out a list of all the possible things that could happen, and then people just start thinking of them as false positives or something. Yeah, totally. So what uh, what what are, I guess what are the what are the the kind of um, big things. I mean, you talked about the data, a database backend, or something that would be driving threats. Um, what else do you see as kind of big, big things that that could assist this tool and really having a big impact inside of an organization?
1: So, I think the the developer flow integrations is going to be key for me. Um, as I said at the start, I mean, I've seen a lot of models that have been done in a um, you know, probably in a, in a kind of waterfall style early in the development cycle. Um, someone, you know, spends quite a few hours or days even um, putting together a very detailed model. And then, you know, like any document of that type, it quickly becomes obsolete and it becomes very, very onerous to try and um, uh, keep it up to date with the way the code's going, especially in iterative, you know, agile type of development methodologies. I think um, uh, the ability to... to iterate it fast to integrate it with um uh, the kind of issue tracking system for example so in really simplistic terms if uh, if unmitigated threats become issues then as they close the uh, um, the, the threat mold is up to date that's one really simple way of keeping the model um tight with the code and close to the code and um,
0: this in this example though you're you're Actually, with the alpha, you're pretty well tied into, you've got it tied into GitHub given, so, so the concept is that somebody would be able to have threat models that are embedded within their GitHub repository. So the tool allows you to create a threat model and then you store that threat model right next to the code. Is that, am I, am I understanding that correctly?
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, you know, that was partly driven by, um, just a desire to, to, um, have the application hosted in an extremely cheap way, admittedly, but also I think it, it, it's really important. I think that it sits close to the code. So my my kind of aim is that um, you know I take inspiration from a lot of the uh, the CI type tooling that's around for, for development generally. So you know you uh, every time we do a, a check in, um, you know you, in, in many teams, I mean any number of tools kind of kick into action when when uh, uh, when, a, when a commit happens. And do all sorts of different kinds of analysis on the, on the code, you know, styling, um, you know, dependency checking, all sorts of different things. And my, my vision for threat modeling and for threat dragon is that it does the same kind of job. So again, really simply, it might just say, okay, do you realize you've done this commit? But the last time, uh, um, the threat model was updated was, was a month ago. Mm. That's, that's really simple. You could just see in the, in the developer flow and it would just be a, a prompt. I mean, you know, arguably you could make it, um, uh, you know, refuse to, to do a commit if it's, uh, if it's been too long since a threat model was updated. But more sophisticated ways of doing that, you could look at, um, the number of open threats and, um, you know, make it, make it like part of the, the unit testing. Okay. If you have open threats that have remained unmitigated for X amount of time, um, you know, fail the build. That's the, that's the way I think that, uh, um, in agile teams and fast moving teams that, that, uh, um, tools stay useful is by proactively you know, inserting themselves into people's consciousness and not have to, uh, you know, not not have to have people remember to go and, and do things with them. They're the tools that I've enjoyed using as a developer. I've been the, the ones which, um, you know, which helped me in that way.
0: Yeah, and this, this is a, I, I love your developer-centric view of this because I, I think we can all admit DevOps has taken the industry by storm. And slowly over the next 10 years, everything is going to end up in that that style of development. So you have to be thinking about how are we going to integrate and automate to the best degree possible. And so I think you've got a good strategy here because I realize that threat modeling, since it's not really – it's not a scriptable or automatable process from end to end, but I think you've still got the right checkpoints there to – so that when somebody checks in code, if it's been like six months, I love the fact that it's going to pop up a window and say, "Hey, uh, your threat model is greater than six months old, and you need to take another look at it here." So, um, any other ways you're thinking about automating into the developer kind of workflow here from a threat dragon perspective?
1: Um, well, it's a, I mean, to be honest, I'm, I'm kind of welcoming, looking for feedback from from people in real life, I mean I kind of have. Plenty of my own ideas, but what I mean, you know, if you ask me, what's the most important thing for the project right now? I think it's collaboration. I think it's okay. been a, you know, a, not entirely a solo. I've, I've had help and I've had conversations with people, but I, it's not been used in anger by enough people, yep. uh, you know, to allow me to, um, you know, to really confidently talk about specific use cases. I mean, one thing I will, I will say that I want to do is um, generation of, of reports. So the, the very, one of the very early prototypes. Of threat dragon had a, a kind of report generation capability where, you know, a little bit like the Microsoft tool again, it would it would generate you out all the diagrams and list out the different elements on there and the threats which were were um, were defined for it in a way which you know the the idea was you could I don't know print it, view it, uh, show it to somebody who uh, wasn't a user of the tool and so on like that. Um, that got dropped at some point during the uh, during the development, but I think it's a it's a kind of important thing and I think the um, the advantage that I'm going to have now with, with GitHub integration is that I'm going to, the idea is to generate the, um, that model rather than as a kind of separate standalone report, but to generate essentially as the readme for the, um, for where the, uh, the model is stored in GitHub. Mm-hmm. Or, or, um, obviously other source code repositories are available and I, I kind of look to, to extend it to those as well. I and mean, specifically someone's asked already for Bitbucket. But the, you know, the, uh, generate the report in Markdown. That's all that's linkable to the, to the product itself. Cause all, it, in the tool, all of the, the threat elements so that the, the individual elements of the model is a deep linkable. So if you click it, um, in one of the, uh, um, the diagrams, the idea is it'll take you straight to the tool with that element selected and you'll be able to see kind of live in the tool what the, uh, you know, what the context is and, and start editing straight away if you need to. Yeah. So again, but really, really sort of streamlining the, the navigation between the, those kind of reports, which again can be, you know dust gatherers really streamline that into the into the, the tool itself
0: yeah yeah and i think the report generation is a good idea i think that's a uh you know I'm, I'm kind of coming at this from more of an enterprise even though i'm don't work in an enterprise anymore but i tend to wear enterprise shaded glasses i guess when i <laughs> when i think of features and capabilities and and how, how would this scale to handle 5,000, 10,000 developers or something like that? So, you know, reporting is something that goes into that process. A lot of bigger enterprises have secure development life cycles and they require artifacts to be generated from those life cycles so that they can prove compliance with their own process and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, that w- that's one reason to have a report generation features because they want to archive it. Uh, they, they might like the fact that it's in the source code repository, but that may not be stamped enough for the audit perspective. So they need something that's kind of more of a concrete deliverable. So I think that's a good, I think that's a good feature that um, will provide a lot of benefit to many users.
1: I mean, I still have a lot of the code for the actual generation still, uh, um, you know, still available. So it's just a question of plugging it back into the new storage.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Robert, you work with a lot of different companies to do threat modeling. Uh, if you were an enterprise, what do you think you'd be looking for in, or, or maybe some of the other, you know, customer type, customer types that you work with? What do you think they're looking for in this OWASP threat dragon style tool?
2: Well, definitely reporting, as you mentioned. I remember. Working with enterprise where we were using the Microsoft threat modeling tool. And while it does have reports, there are some things that are missing. And so having the ability to customize for that enterprise certain bits of data that they're interested in would be really useful, I think. Uh, beyond that, I think you also mentioned collaboration, you know, being able to uh, pull a lot of those threat models together, uh, verify them, uh, be able to check to make sure that different teams have do have a threat model, right? So that's a requirement in some enterprises where every team must have a threat model. Well, hopefully this tool allows you, or a tool like this will allow you to find that out and and monitor it, make sure, and uh, keep track. So things like that would be really useful, I think, for any enterprise.
0: Yeah, so what, what happens from a concurrency perspective right now, Mike? Does the tool handle two people... Kind of working together on a on a model, or is it just one person at a time?
1: Um, it's well, it's, it's it it uses Git as its uh, its back end. So if, if two people were currently were concurrently editing a model, it would be a little bit like two people concurrently modifying source code. It's, it's possible, but there might be a, a kind of manual merge. Yeah, so
0: merging
2: at right. the moment.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think Robert, you mentioned something else that I've often thought about. As, because when you think about how we, how we break down threat modeling, I always advise people, if you can, try to threat model at the feature level for a given product. I, I've spent a lot of time in the product space. So how do you, so, so threat model for a feature, because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to minimize the amount of thinking and, and interfaces and things that somebody needs to consider there. But one of the challenges that that always brings is how do you take a cup a bunch of threat models together and look at them as a whole like as a release now. So now I want to look at a threat model of all of the all of the features. And so that's another thing that I'd be that I'd be thinking about for a future tool would be is there a way to bring together multiple threat models and see like a super threat model where it shows you all of the threats when you put those things together into a system.
1: a so that's a really interesting question now, especially if, uh, I mean, uh, so the, this, this potential complexity there, isn't there, of, the, of just the actual kind of representation of, of, of multiple models, maybe in different diagrams and some other splicing together of those things. And I wonder whether, yeah, I wonder whether some kind of hierarchical, um, sort of hierarchical modeling capability yeah. would be a way to achieve that.
0: Yeah, something to think about for the future. But I, I think this, I think you're off to a great start right now as far as the foundation that you've laid in the alpha. And so one of the things we'll ask our listeners to do is go check out the tool and give Mike any feedback you have, suggestions, things like that. And we'll, we'll get to, I guess at the end, we'll let you kind of tell people how to, how to get in touch with you. But Robert, did you have any other specific questions you wanted to throw Mike's way about threat modeling in this tool?
2: Well, if I understand correctly, because you're also modeling it after Microsoft's threat modeling tool, you're using Stride uh, to uh, basically think about building out data flow diagrams, that sort of thing? Is that correct? Yeah, it,
1: yeah, that's right. Yeah, it use Stride just to, to categorize the threats.
2: Okay. And then as far as somebody who may be completely brand new, they still have to have some basic understanding of threat modeling to be able to use the tool, I'm assuming.
1: Yeah, I mean definitely today. I mean the the threat generation today really is just a stub to kind of prove out the um the the raw engine library that I was that i I'd selected for the for the thing. So it just does ex- extremely generic. I mean so generic as to be not very useful really um threat generation. So yeah, today I, I would say that as far as the alpha's concerned, it, you c- you can do full lifecycle threat modeling, but but you're in you're you're coming up with the threats yourself.
2: Okay. Thanks.
0: So what is a um what are you thinking of as far as a beta like when when are and how far are we from a 1.0 release of this thing
1: I I think that the uh, that a um that a beta would be something that involves a, a, a genuine um threat generation engine and this is this is the, the kind of probably the main area of my focus at the moment I I kind of just got to the end of of developing the the kind of installable Electron-based version of the app. Oh, yeah, I should say it comes in two variants. There's a there's an on- entirely online version, but there's also for, for people who well that requires you currently to to use GitHub for the model storage. I mean, other source control will follow. If people don't have that, um, you can still get this, exactly the same threat modeling experience using the um, uh, the installable Electron tool. Um, the difference that is that that one just simply uses uh, lo- the local file system for storage. But it will run on, um, definitely on Windows, which is where it's had its- most of its testing. It runs on Macs, where it's had some testing. And it should run also on uh, other Linux oh. flavors.
0: Yeah, very cool. So yeah. so that's the, 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 the beta, then, is the threat generation engine being completed. And a 1.0, then, is probably pretty far into the future.
1: Uh, well, hopefully not too far. I mean, the the I would say the the, the step from the beta to the um to the 1.0 re- really will be on um, key usability features, okay. um and bug fixing, and then any kind of build out of the of the rule engine. But the rule engine, I think, is it definitely feels like it's going to be an incremental thing. So I don't think there'll be a, you know a really hard okay well it must have um, this rule set before we could consider it a 1.0 it's something which we should be able to extend much more you know in a much more continuous um continuous way than that so i think the you know the 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 step from beta to 1.0 would be relatively short i i think i think that it, i think certainly the step from um from 0 to alpha and from alpha to beta are probably bigger than the step from beta to 1.0
0: okay so I guess, how can, how can folks get you feedback? What's the best way for folks to get in touch with you? Uh, I'm going to challenge all of our listeners to go check out Threat Dragon and we'll put the, uh, the link to it and whatnot in the, in the show notes if you haven't uh, seen it yet. But what, what can they, how can they get in touch with you? What's the best way to communicate with you about what they're seeing or features and stuff like that? Well,
1: I mean, the two best ways probably, anything which is, um, Sort of framed or, or sort of discreet enough to, to form an issue on GitHub is the, is the best way to do that. So yeah. if it's a feature, a specific feature request or a bug, GitHub issues is the right way. So it's very easy for me to track those things. But, uh, when I, but I'd, I'd welcome any kind of feedback. And I know that some of it doesn't really, um, you know, fit well into the context of an issue. So my, my OWASP email address, mike.goodwin at OWASP.org is probably the best way to, um, to contact me if you want something that's just more of a, of a discussion.
0: Okay, and are you looking? I mean, if, if folks wanted to wanted to actually collaborate with you, what is the what, what type of skills do they need to have? Like, who are you looking for to join the development team with you?
1: I'd say there's there's two two types really. So on the on the developer side, and the the applications, the back end is written in Node, the um all of the electron shell obviously is Node, and the front end is written in Angular, so it's a it's a so JavaScript From top to bottom, so people with uh, with JavaScript development skills very very welcome. People who are wanting to learn JavaScript actually, there's a lot of things that can be done on a on an open source project to to help people who are uh, you know looking to kind of upskill or or sort of cross train into a a particular framework. And there's always, you know, kind of discrete things that can be done. And uh, you know, uh, you know, I I kind of welcome people of all all abilities really uh, on that side of it. Um, you know, in my experience, open source is a great way to, to learn those kind of things. Um, on the other side, if, for people who are more, um, threat modeling practitioners, um, discussions or suggestions around the rule engine, well, any kind of feature request for one thing, but discussions about the, the rule engine is, is I think where I'd really, really, um, benefit the most. I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing which I think, and obviously I've, I've done a lot, quite a bit of threat modeling over the, over the years, but, I think people people have different takes on it, and certainly every time I've worked with with new people in my uh, you know my sort of day job, um, you know I've come across uh, different takes on things and and um, in different ways of thinking about it. Uh, so anything around the you know how the rule ge- threat generation the rule engine should work, um, you know is a is something that a non developer could definitely contribute to.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Very, very cool. So, Mike, I'm a I'm a big supporter of this project, and I think you're doing some really cool stuff here. And so we definitely wish you luck as you continue forward. I know I'm going to be paying very close attention and uh, and testing things out and giving you feedback along the way. I'm sure Robert will as well. So thank you for taking the time to introduce this to our audience. And um, we want to say thank you because you're doing something really cool for the whole industry here. And we, also, we look forward to the continued uh work that you're doing on this project so thank you very much for your time
1: well great thanks for having me it's been really interesting thanks
2: thanks for listening to the application security podcast our intro music
0: is 8-bit kung fu by Born and tj and the outro is southern delight by stefan kartenberg you can find us on twitter at appsec podcast or on the web
1: at www.appsecpodcast.org